last class we saw that sri ramakrishna was just having fun and frolic with the young boys the young devotees and then when narin started singing a song sri ramakrishna's being absorbed being identified with the devotion of hanuman towards rama he became so absorbed with that idea of hanuman's one pointed devotion to sri rama that the song took him to a deep samadhi and we saw that the master the mahendranath the author of the gospel of sri ramakrishna he was really astonished that how come a man who was just having fun and frolic just listening to the song immediately can transport himself to that high state of spiritual absorption so that was a matter of great astonishment to him so that's where we ended our discussion in the last class let us proceed with our reading of the gospel from that section onwards as sri ramakrishna was singing the song he went into samadhi again the half closed eyes and motionless body that one sees in his photograph just a minute before the devotees had been making merry in his company now all eyes were riveted to him thus for the second time em saw the master in samadhi after a long time the master came back to ordinary consciousness his face lighted up with a smile and his body relaxed his senses began to function in a normal way he shed tears of joy as he repeated the holy name of rama and wondered whether this very saint was the was the person who a few minutes earlier had been behaving like a child of five so that's the trait of a paramahansa that he is in no way attached to any particular trait of his personality as we were discussing in the last class in the gospel in some other place sri ramakrishna says that one of the traits of a paramahamsa of a realized soul why a realized soul is whole is called paramahamsa this terms are so significant that ramakrishna paramahamsa a realized soul is a paramahamsa because paramahamsa is a bird is a swan the swan it is said has the capacity that if you mix if you dilute the milk with water and just give the milk the diluted milk to the swan the swan will feed on the milk in such a way that water will remain it will take just the milk so the idea is one has the capacity as if to take the essence and leave the water the dilute portion out so the paramahamsa why a realized soul is called a paramahamsa in this world the essence is being projected as this world of phenomenon so as if the essence is being diluted by this phenomenal existence the world of name and form they can easily relate to the essence and live off the name and form 
and that's why they are called paramahamsa the great swan who is always established in the self by discriminating from the non self this capacity to discriminate the self from the non self becomes so habitual for them so they has been characterized by a swan the way they can segregate the essence the milk from the water so here also we find that ramakrishna is always as if established in the self that's why he is the paramahamsa and he is like a small child he is in no way attached to a particular trait of his personality as sri ramakrishna used to say paramahamsa kono guner boshnoy that he is not under the sway of any of the gunas generally by seeing a person we say he is bit satvik he is rajasik he is tamasik the one who is contemplative the one who is meditative contemplative who reads scriptures and who tries to maintain a very calm placid peaceful existence so he is satvik rajasik is bit reactive is always after name fame wealth money pleasure rajasik and tamasik is one who is indolent lazy deluded so these are the traits we find among the human beings a paramahamsa is not under the sway of any of them this moment he may appear as to be just like a 5 year old child restless playing around having fun and frolic the next moment he just gets absorbed in samadhi so sri ramakrishna we will find in the gospel so other so many traits he is mentioning of the paramahamsa that his mind is like a dried matchstick if the matchstick is wet you however you may go on striking it it won't lit but if it is a dried matchstick just a little friction will immediately enflame it so the mind of a paramahamsa is just like that it needs a very little spark immediately it gets absorbed in a very high state of spiritual absorption he goes to an altered state of consciousness in the life of ramakrishna that was extremely explicitly that was manifested a little spark just as the context of the samadhi came we will find that in the life of ramakrishna is very interesting what to speak here at least he was singing some spiritual song there was no need for spiritual song just there are so many examples which speaks that how highly tuned his mind was sri ramakrishna one day just went for a walk from dakshineshwar to baranagar it's just about 1 and 1/2 to 2 kilometers uh, away from dakshineshwar and his plan was to have a look of the bt road barakpur trunk road this for evening walk with nephew and m mahendranath the author of the gospel was also with him this incident is not uh, mentioned in the gospel of sri ramakrishna mahendranath in his later life used to have some a close group of devotees uh, with a close group of devotees he used to have some discussion those conversations has been recorded by his disciple by the disciple of mahendranath in the in the in that book this incident is related very interesting incident that incidents is like this that sri ramakrishna went by for a walk and by the time he reached baranagar and had a look for the first time the barakpur trunk road the bt road he immediately went into samadhi his nephew had to hold him so there was no devotional song there was no devotional conversation just seeing the road he went into samadhi and when he came back from this from that state after a while what he told is something very amazing that why he went into the samadhi just by seeing the road if you go into calcutta's that bt road is still there it is a straight road with no curvature and quite wide 
So for the first time, seeing such a wide, straight road, Ramakrishna went into Samadhi. Why? The idea came to his mind that this road is just like the heart of a holy person. There is no crookedness, it is straight, and there is no narrowness, it is wide. And that idea immediately took him to Samadhi. So just you will understand that how highly tuned was the mind of Sri Ramakrishna. He went, his devotees took him to the zoo once. He was like a child, he immediately agreed. But when he went to the zoo, the first animal he saw was the lion. And he went into such a deep samadhi that all had to return. They couldn't go to the zoo. They couldn't go around the zoo. And when he returned, he just related his, the, the reason for going into samadhi. You're seeing the lion. The lion is the vahana, the carrier of Mother Durga. So seeing the lion, immediately it enkindled the thought of Durga. And the thought of the goddess immediately took him to that state. Just, just see that the link, the ordinary thing in the, of the world immediately gets linked with the divine. So that's why you will find this idea of worshipping everything is there in the Indian tradition. Because the entire world is a projection of the divine. Taking it deep in the Ganges is holy. Worshipping a stone is holy because the divine is manifested in each and everything. And this is not just a mere concept. This was actualized, materialized in the life of Ramakrishna. Just see the ordinary day-to-day -day things could take him, could transport him to that high state of spiritual absorption. And that's the thing which Aim was looking with full wonder. You know that we, we most probably wouldn't have believed the scriptures if these lives were not there. These lives are the living commentary of the scriptures. And that's what we see here. The same thing we find in the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and many other illuminary souls. Even in the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it is mentioned that once he was passing through a village and someone mentioned that the clay, the soil of this village is used to prepare coal, a drum which is used for kirtan. The moment it was mentioned that this soil of this village is used for making coal, that soil has some particular characteristic which, which enables to have a very nice coal, to make a very nice coal out of it. Immediately Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went into Samadhi. That soil, coal, Krishna, Kirtan, Kirtana, Krishna, Samadhi. Just, they just link it. The moment the thought of the God comes immediately, it goes to Samadhi. In the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it is mentioned that he had three states. Bahyadasha, Antar Bahyadasha, Ardha Bahyadasha, and Antardasha. Bahyadasha, Ardha Bahyadasha, and Antardasha. Sometimes Bahyadasha, he was like ordinary human being. Talking, having food, gossiping, sleeping. That is Bahyadasha. Antar Bahyadasha, when he was full of devotion, he was aware of the world, he was aware of the singing, and all those will overwhelm him with that devotion. And the tears would flow down. Horripilations will be seen. And sometimes he will, he will be looking like a dead person. He will be so absorbed. No life, uh, no sign of life will be visible. That was the Antar Dasha. Totally absorbed in the divine absorption. So see, in the life of Sri Ramakrishna also we find the same thing. The, he was just a few moments back, he was having fun, frolic. He was in the Bahya Dasha. He went to that Antar Dasha. He was in deep Samadhi. And when he came back, he was again in that Ardha Bahya Dasha. The tears were flowing down. He was relating to the words of the song. A few minutes back, he was even totally oblivious, even of the song. He went to such a deep Samadhi. When he comes down, again now he starts relating to the song. Emotions overwhelm him. That is in the Ardhavahya Dasha. Though he is in the world, but his focus is not on the world. It is focused totally on the Lord. So constantly we find Sri Ramakrishna is as if 
going from the shores of this phenomenal existence to the other shore of the absolute. Sri Ramakrishna, very, with a simple language, he used to explain all those things. He used to say, you know, what's the state of the mind of a Paramahansa? It is just like in Bengali, they call Bach Khala. The fish in the river, when they are playful, what they do, you know, when the water of the river is flowing down. Now, if you try, if in a river, if you try to just, you see that on the opposite direction, the shore, and you make it a point that, look, let me try to just swim and go just to the opposite direction of the, on the opposite shore. You will find if you are not experienced, if you are not trained, you will be deviated. The stream will take you far away from the shore. You will reach the other shore, but not just the, that a 90 degree angle, that's angle which you thought, just face to face the shore which was, you will never reach because the flow takes you, diverts your course, and you will start moving uh, in a, like a, in a diagonal, in a diagonal way you will be moving. You won't realize, only when you reach the other shore, you will realize that you have been actually drifted far away. The fish likes to be in a playful mood when, when they try to swim from this shore to the other. The stream is just flowing by the side of them but they are expert swimmers. They know how to just uh, glide away from those, the, from the flow of the stream and still maintain the direction and reach the other shore. They will reach the other shore and again, they will come back. So this is known as Vajkhala. Sri Ramakrishna used to say that a Paramahansa like him enjoys to swim from this phenomenal existence, the absolute, like the fish going from this shore to the, that shore. And that's what we find is so palpably visible in his life. And that has so nicely been related by Master Mahashaya, by Mahendranath in the gospel of Sri Ramakrishna. So now let us just proceed. The master said to Narendra and M, I should like to hear you speak and argue in English. After coming down again, he's normal. Now seeing uh, Mahendranath and seeing Narendra, he knew both of them are educated in English. They were uh, in University, Calcutta. They were the products of Calcutta University. And he knew that they are quite good in English. So he wanted to hear them speak in English. He knew nothing of English. But he was curious like a child. So I should like to hear you speak and argue in English. They both laughed, but they continued to talk in their mother tongue. It was impossible for him to argue anymore before the master because his ego was totally shattered in the first meeting itself. So he made it a point never to argue in front of the master. Though Sri Ramakrishna insisted, they did not talk in English. So here we will just, uh, just, uh, just as a funny fact, uh, we should let you know that Sri Ramakrishna did knew a few words in English. It has been found that he had a vocabulary of about a dozen English words. It so happened that once Narendranath, uh, in, in the presence of Ramakrishna, was talking with someone else, was having a conversation with someone else. And uh, in the process of conversation, suddenly Naren told something which is very interesting. What he told? That a philosopher, after reading philosophy, becomes a learned fool. It's a very interesting term, a learned fool. And then the search for religion begins. A philosopher after reading philosophy becomes a learned fool. And then the search for religion begins. Now Ramakrishna never understood English. So he asked someone to translate that what Naren said, please translate. So it was translated to him in Bengali. And then we find in the gospel it is mentioned Ramakrishna in English is just uh, saying to the one who have translated him, thank you, thank you. So in English, and all had a very a spiel of laughter saying Ramakrishna speaking, thank you, thank you. And not only that, another English word, uh, which we know Ramakrishna knew is the dam. <laughs> that we say dam full, the dam he knew. It's very interesting. He used to 
relate a very funny sto- story with uh, which is related to this word dam what's the story that a barber was shaving the head of a rich person and as he was a bit careless accidentally there was a small mild bruise a cut and for that cut that r- person uh, whose head were, he was shaving he he just shouted out in english dam and this barber immediately stopped shaving him and told you have to tell me that you have to uh, just tell me the meaning of this word dam he told it's nothing nothing you continue and then he told no you have to tell me the meaning then he told oh it's nothing it's something uh, very silly uh, just you please continue and as he was not translating it so this barber got angry and he told a very interesting thing that if the dam is a good word then i am dam my father is dam my grandfather great grandfather till 14 generations all are dam and if dam is a bad word you are dam your father your grandfather your grandfather your 14 generation is not only dam 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 or dam dam so that's the uh, another word we find which sri ramakrishna knew in english and in in a funny way he used to relate that story so it's like that a few english words he knew and here also we find like a small child curious to just hear someone speak in english is asking but they somehow desisted from speaking in english in front of the master at 5 o'clock in the afternoon all the devotees except narendra and m took leave of the master as m was walking in the temple garden he suddenly came upon the master talking to narendra on the bank of the goose pond sri ramakrishna said to narendra look here come a little more often come a little more often you are a newcomer on first acquaintance people visit each other quite often as is the case with a lover and his sweetheart narendra and aim laugh so please come won't you so it's a very the simple words it was very interesting that on the first acquaintance people visit each other quite often and that also is giving the example as in the case with a lover and his sweetheart a very interesting that when in an ordinary day to day life people fall in love what makes them fall in love what's the psychology behind it you know as a human being we have a faculty even in modern psychology it has they've started uh, analyzing this faculty of awe a w e awe faculty it's a very interesting faculty the faculty of awe we all have sometimes in the name of developing our faculty of reason we don't give much importance to that awe faculty but you will find it is something innate in us that nowadays we don't give importance to teach our children with all the mythological stories we think these are all as if imaginary which has no reason behind it the child won't find interest in it they will ask thousand questions so we desist there's no need let him be rational let him be uh a man of good intelligence these stories as if have no importance in their life and we generally never teach them desist from teaching all these thing but you have have you noticed one interesting thing but the child comes back from school throws the school bag opens the tv or the screen and what he relates to all sorts of imaginary characters batman spiderman so you desisted from teaching him the mythological characters but what he is doing and he is so hooked you ask him to come to the dining table for food he is not willing he even won't he is not doesn't have the time to open his school uniform keep the things properly just gets hooked to the screen why the same faculty of all that when i see when a child sees a imaginary character doing things which a child cannot do immediately it gets identified with it 
it tries to overcome the limitation by identifying with that character and that gives that sensation of awe you will find that the, even the shop in all the shops know that the child has that tremendous awe so you will find that the children's all the dress will be tailored in all those characters the style of the character's dress there is a big s written on the chest with a triangle like a superman and all those things we find why the child wants to identify himself with that character wants to dress like him why it happens to be spiritually to just relate to it spiritually that we the essence of our being is something unlimited it says you have no limitation there is no death for you there is no decay for you there is no such a loca locality within which you are limited that's what it is constantly saying you are non local now that that's the echo which is finding expression through our body mind complex and we take the echo to be the real that as if this body mind complex is as something infinite without any limitations that what we start feeling that echo is coming through this body mind complex and we get deluded and we start thinking to realize all those unlimited qualities through the body mind complex and we find it is impossible and that's the reason for which that all faculty comes into picture the echo which is constantly saying you are without without limit within you are beyond all limits tries to now get absorbed in something where he can realize that as an elderly person when uh, we get bored with our day to day activity what we do we go for some tour where we go just in front of the ocean we want to stand and get absorbed with that infinite expanse again that all faculty is working or you go to some mountain range and just get absorbed by seeing that tires and tires of ranges of the peaks as if it's infinite again that expanse give you a sense of awe the same sense of awe is developed when the child is watching all those imaginary characters and this awe faculty has to be nourished it is there i cannot stifle it and as we grow we go to the puberty and then just seeing the opposite sex creates that awe again they think as if she is angel a boy thinks starts thinking that he is an angel in forgets that he is a he is a person or he is a person of flesh and blood just sees the angel in that person that's why very interesting when swami vivekananda was in the west he was giving lecture on vedanta the idea of the consciousness as our reality as our as the absolute reality is that consciousness of which we are as he was uh delivering his lecture someone interrupted him and said swami ji you speak of that non dual consciousness as the real existence but in your day to day life you are all idol worshipers isn't it so you worship idol swami ji never answered the question directly what he answered was something very interesting he told yes i am idol worshiper isn't it that true that you are also an idol worshiper he told me how come we are idol worship we never worship idols then swami ji jokingly told this why you young man don't you kneel down in front of a young lady and say you are angel isn't it a idol worship is she really an angel just see what he's pointing that infatuation is the product of awe where we think the other person as angel and that's the where the question of love lover and his sweetheart comes at the beginning this awe faculty what it does it shadows all the negativities what are the positivities i see on the other that get highlighted and that makes us more close that's what that's the thing we find that that they are meeting more often more often more often but as the relationship develops we find in the course of time the infatuation has gone and now the negativities become quite palpably visible and now the relations are no more that intense it becomes some superficial or habitual just 
we have to stay together we stay together it becomes something habitual and that's why this all faculty leading to all the worldly love and at last leading to the habitual relationship is being termed as fall in love we never rise in love we fall in love because at last you find it has taken you nowhere you are as if deluded by that awe faculty see ramakrishna here is giving an example is a wonderful thing the same awe faculty if somehow by the divine blessing gets directed towards a spiritually illumined soul then a wonderful thing happens just the opposite thing happens see in our ordinary life we make the image of an angel and at last we find the my the object of my love is an ordinary being and here something opposite happens you know when i have not met any illumined soul i have just read the scriptures and reading the scriptures i just visualized that what a person of realize would be can be and i make an image know it for certain unless you see a realized soul that image is going to be absolutely imperfect as in our scriptures it is meant shib gorte banor gora means in our attempt to make the image of shiva at last we make the image of a monkey shib gorte banor banor is monkey so here when i see this realized person then i realize that actually with all my imaginations what i thought of spirituality is just like making in my attempt to curve the image of shiva i have curved the image of a monkey now i realize that what real spirituality is what samadhi is what bliss is and now what happens all the wrong ideas which i had about that sublime state of high spiritual existence all those wrong ideas starts falling off and i just see what the genuine spiritual life is which is everything is positive he is made of vishuddha sattva there is no tinge of impurities in that character and now what happens the actually the initial love was superficial you will find the more you get acquainted with that type of person the love is becoming deeper and deeper and deeper it's just the opposite than the ordinary love so in this type of love it is the rising in love not falling in love very interesting when swami ashokananda he was in his 70s he was in san francisco he was a wonderful swami so young students of the university was very used to uh, was very much fond of him whenever they used to get time they will come and have a chit chat with the swamis and one day one of those who is to come those young children this college students the the boys the girls they used to come so one of them told swami swami it seems that we have fallen in love with you and ashokananda's reply was wonderful immediately he told it's good it's good that you love me but know it for certain you can never fall in love with me you have to rise in love with me so here also you will find this simple sentence actually is that's what it is indicated that look here come a little more often you are a newcomer on first acquaintance people visit each other quite often as is the case with a lover and his sweetheart here also that original or faculty is working narin is bound to come often and ramakrishna is also insisting that knowing very well that though he is saying it's like the case of a lover and sweetheart knowing very well this love is not going to take either of them spirally downwards none of them all our so called human love takes us spirally downwards so this is the love which will take us spirally upwards and that's why he is insisting come often so please come won't you so this all faculty is something very important in our life if we don't nurture it in proper way know it for certain it is going to find expression in some negative way in the entire society nowadays what we see that all faculties all faculty which has created havoc all the religious fundamentalism is actually 
a result of this all faculty how you will find sometimes we had an we have an idea that those who go for destruction like the suicide bombers sometimes we have an idea that most probably they are from a very very poor family they have been lured by wealth that if you become a suicide bomber your family will get this much of money but it has been found in many cases not all in many cases that's not the story they're highly qualified highly established in their so called uh this uh, the worldly life highly established highly qualified they somehow have resorted to that type of belief how it happens from childhood our education system doesn't allow us to nurture our all faculty now that is something which is always there it needs to be nourished it was so we are starving there and it becomes very easy for someone to believe to nurture that all faculty in a wrong way how so that if you kill the non believers you go to heaven see again the all faculty is working the after death i have an existence where all these limitations in the present life falls off i have more enjoyment i have no death the all faculty is working and have resorted that no faculty was not taken care of now it finds expression in a negative way isn't it one of the biggest reason at present of all sorts of calamities which we see in the world one of the big reason another extreme sensualism as the all faculty was not taken care of the child when he grows at the stage of puberty seeing the world he, he can easily be infatuated because that all faculty can make him think of an ordinary thing as something great and he loses all his faculty of discrimination and can be easily lured to that so in education system we do need to nurture our all faculty in the name of too much resort too much inclination towards reason and Uh, what do you say that rational faculty that's what we find that we teach the children behavior just to be a person of good behavior and we find that such in spite of all good behavior they are so superficial because all those faculties has not been nurtured they never behave in a bad way the behavior is good but the character hasn't formed there's a difference between behavior and character the entire education system in the present gives trace to the behavior they are in no way bothered about the character as a result we find in spite of good behavior at last because of lack of character we find in this society no one is bad, behaving badly with me but all are intended all are oriented towards the selfish goals so we find that though that we are not facing any bad behavior but at the same time everywhere we find is exploitation in some form or other in a very cunning way why these things happen because that all faculty was never nurtured to rouse our good qualities it somehow finds expression either in sensuousness or in destruction so these are the things which we find and that's why we find that this is a faculty which needs to be there is an essential thing it is something which we have it cannot be starved if you starve it it will find it will try to nourish itself in some way or other so we should have a scientific process to nurture it in such a way that only way is resorting to the the collective you know this this all these ethos which has which has developed through generations suddenly we say we don't want it it came through generations few days back in one of the tate talks we i heard that what is truth that all the scientific knowledge you say truth all your rationalization is truth with all this in just 200 we are going to annihilate ourselves the civilization with all those so called beliefs mythologies and all the civilizations were intact 
for thousands, for 60,000, 70,000, 80,000, go to the Aboriginal culture with all those beliefs which makes no sense to us. They were quite happy with their life and nothing was there to annihilate their existence. For so many years, they were just happy with their life. And suddenly we find with all our knowledge in 200 years, we are in the brink of annihilation. So those things do have meaning. And that's the thing which we find Sri Ramakrishna is indicating to Narendra that though he's just giving a very worldly example, but actually it has a very, very, very high spiritual intonation that by using the awe faculty, if we can somehow get related to some divine personality, that awe faculty will make us to internalize those things which I really value. And my character will be transformed. The more and more I try to identify those values, internalize them, the more and more I will be a transformed personality. So that's what Sri Ramakrishna is insisting. Narendra, a member of the Brahma Samaj, was very, very particular about his promises. Oh, yes. He said with a smile, as Ramakrishna asked, that come often, won't you? So now Narendra in Brahma Samaj has taken a vow that I should never speak untruth. I should never give someone false promises. I should never uh, promise falsely. What I swear I should uh, just follow it meticulously do it. So as he has taken the vows in Brahma Samaj, so we find that his answer is something interesting. What he says, he said with a smile, yes, sir, I shall try. Instead of saying, yes, sir, I will, I will. Though he intends to come to Ramakrishna, he has already been drawn by that personality. But maybe the circumstance may be such that some other uh, responsibilities may not allow him to come to him that often. So instead of saying that I will, he's saying, yes, I shall try. So that's why this sentence, now you will understand why uh, Mahindranath is saying, Narendra, a member of Brahma Samaj was very particular about his promises. That was, that's, he has taken and uh, this a oath, yeah, there's an oath taking ceremony in the Brahma Samaj that you should never uh, trans, transgress your promises. And that's why he's saying, that yes, sir, I shall try. As they were returning to the master's room, Sri Ramakrishna said to him, when peasants go to market to buy bullocks for their plows, they can easily tell the good from the bad by touching their tails. On being touched there, some meekly lie down on the ground. The peasants recognize that these are without metal and so reject them. They select only those blocks that frisk about and show spirit when their tails are touched. Narendra is like a block of the latter class. He's full of spirit within. So very, very simple language, Ramakrishna is something which we speak of in the modern psychology. That, what's, that in life we go through inescapable trauma. We all go through trauma. But very few are optimist. Most of them are pessimist. Why we are pessimist? The trauma results in learned helplessness. When in a traumatic situation, we find no solution, we learn that we are helpless. And that, make, that develops a defeatist attitude in us. Oh, nothing will, I can do nothing in life. The defeatist attitude. So even when there is sufficient scope to excel, we don't try. So we are like those cows when the, the, the tail is touched, immediately it lies down meekly. But there are a few who are always having that optimistic attitude. They never somehow developed that defeatist attitude. They never have learned helplessness. They never developed that learned helplessness. Why it happens and that's the thing, that spirit Sri Ramakrishna wants. Why? When in, re in real life you find a man is always spirited, know it for certain, to certain extent, 
maybe not, it's not very prominent to a certain extent, he has some belief system. Without the belief system, it is almost impossible to be optimistic. Why? That example which we gave so many times, when we are just dealing with the sense that world, know it for certain in life, situations will, find, will come, many situations will come where we find no answer. But the moment anyone in any form, whatever the belief system may be, whether he's a Christian or whether he's a Muslim, whether he's a Hindu, whether he's a Buddhist, whatever the belief system may be, all the belief system somehow makes us relate with a dimension of existence, which is spiritual, which speaks of our existence, which is beyond all the limitations of the present existence. But this present existence is just a passing phase. It has nothing to do with our entire existence. And that gives the grit, that gives the resilience. Why? Because the problem becomes something local. Why? What's the difference between a pessimist and an optimist? A pessimist thinks the problem is permanent. It is something which is pervading my entire life. An optimist thinks it is just a local thing. It's in, in no, no way going to affect my entire existence. And it comes from the belief in the spiritual dimension of existence. From that comes the upper, this, what you say, this optimistic attitude. From that you develop that resilience, that greed. And that helps you to get established in your own nature. That gives you the confidence. So now you will find that seeing that spirited nature of Naren, Ramakrishna can easily infer the spiritual bent of his mind. And that's why, now let us read this line again, that how he's judging, why he's considering Narendra to be a man of metal because he has that spiritual inclination that he's always aware of the spiritual dimension of existence which give him that strong resolution to just uh, transcend all the limitations of life and always be positive. So when peasants go to the market to buy bullocks for their plows, they can easily tell the good from the bad by touching their tails. On being touched there, some meekly lie down on the ground. Those which have learned helplessness and have developed that defeatist attitude, that nothing can be done. So they simply resign. The peasants recognize that these are without metal and so reject them. They select only those blocks that frisk about and show spirit when their tails are touched. Narendra is like a bullock of this letter class. He's full of spirit within. The master smiled as he said this and continued. There are some people who have no grit whatever. They're like flattened rice soaked in milk, soft and mushy, no inner strength. So in the last class, we were saying that most of us are like mollusk. All our pomp, the show of strength are just a sham show. It is just something superficial, a mere pretension. So whenever there's a crisis in life and the outer shell cracks, we become so vulnerable. This is extremely vulnerable. We are appearing as a vertebrate, but we are like mollusk. There is no grit within. They are like the flattened rice soaked in milk, soft and mushy, no inner strength. All the strength is some just uh, a mere pretense, a mere appearance. But those who are that spirited, those who have that faith system, the belief system, Nothing can sway, swerve them from their goal, from their purpose of life. So that's the thing Sri Ramakrishna is indicating. It was dusk. The master was meditating on God. He said to him, go and talk to Narendra. Then tell me what you think of him. So this is the thing which we find in the gospel. Many In many places such reference. Go and talk to Narendra. Come and tell what you think of him. That's the way Sri Ramakrishna, one of the ways Ramakrishna will judge the person. 
that if he comes and says that Narendra is a nice man, he will immediately come to the conclusion that this person is good because he has uh, praised Naren. And if anyone censors Naren, Ramakrishna at first will desist him and then he will say, if you continue to do that, don't show your face to me. So this is the something very uh, funny part of Ramakrishna's life. He had such a uh, strong faith in Narendra. This speaks of something wonderful. When as Narendra, as a young boy, appeared to be a bit adamant. So there's a, as we were mentioning, there's a difference between behavior and character. And the first, uh, when you meet him, he may appear to be a bit adamant. But that was just the outward superficial behavior. Why he was adamant, Ramakrishna understood that he had so many good qualities that he was always, if he was a bit soft, constantly there will be a lot of praises. People will start flattering him. And he never liked that. And that's why he always had that outward, uh, that show of adamancy. He never, as per his character is concerned, that is a very interesting thing, that we find nothing can lure him. There were so many situations as a young boy, when his father died, he became very poor. A rich lady tried to tempt him with wealth so that they can stay together. Such incidences are recorded in the life of Narendra and we find how strongly he has came out from such situations. Nothing can swear him as far as character is concerned. And his external behavior only Ramakrishna understood. He told, he used to say, He doesn't care for me because whenever Ramakrishna is to praise Naran in front of others, Naran will leave the place. Others would have been annoyed that, oh, see, I just am praising him and he simply neglects me. But Ramakrishna understood that actually what is the thing? He doesn't like that pampering. He has that humility within him. He never wants to be praised in front of others. And that's why he shows that type of behavior. So just to judge that person, that whether he can understand the exact character of the person or he is just ensnared by the behavior. Just as we were saying in the present world, in the school, everywhere, we are only taught the way to behave and sometimes find that no character is formed. What is the difference between behavior and character? Behavior doesn't entail unselfishness. You may be, have a perfect behavior, good behavior, but you may be extremely selfish. But a character, man of character, in spite of occasional bad behavior, is never selfish. He's always, you will find his tendency is not to harm others, to help others. And now you can easily distinguish that what is remarkable differences between behavior and character. And to be very, very precise, in the present education system, everywhere we find the stress is just on the behavior. And that's why we, with all good behavior, somehow we find we can never trust someone. They may come and behave so nice, we, nicely. We all know it is just like a cosmetic surgery. It has nothing to do with the real sincerity of purpose. And that's the thing. Narendra was the, as if the standpoint for that, as, as a mark for that, for Ramakrishna, that he may appear outwardly to be a bit adamant, but he is truth to the core of his being. And so if anyone can recognize that, Ramakrishna immediately is to appreciate that person, that he is in no way fooled by the behavior. He can relate to the person as far as his character is concerned. So go to uh, talk to Naren and then come and tell me what you think of him. That's very important. Evening worship was over in the temples. They met Narendra on the bank of the Ganges and they began to converse. Narendra told him about his studying in college, his being a member of the Brahma Samaj and so on. It was now late in the evening and time for Aim's departure. But he felt reluctant to go and instead went in search of Sri Ramakrishna. He had been fascinated by the master's singing and wanted to hear more. At last he found the master pacing alone in the Nath Mandir in front of the Kali temple. 
A lamp was burning in the temple on either side of the image of the Divine Mother. The single lamp in the spacious night in the spacious Natmandir blended light and darkness into a kind of mystic twilight in which the figure of the master could be dimly seen. What a nice description. Means such descriptions we even if we can use for our own visualization, our meditation. A man of realization like a lion who has broken through the, from the cage. That's what the example will be given. Is moving forth up and down, nothing to bind him, a free soul. Just, just imagine that in the Yoga Sutra they say if you cannot meditate on something very subtle, why not meditate on the heart of a realized soul? So this all helps us to meditate to the heart of a realized soul. Just think Ramakrishna pacing up and down the Nath Mandir in the twilight hours. That it gives a sense of that wonderful, that mystic twilight, which has been spoken of. It gives a wonderful sense of spiritual transformation. And that way the gospel is really wonderful. Just reading itself can be a wonderful contemplation. Aim had been enchanted by the master's sweet music. With some hesitation, he asked him whether there would be any more singing that evening. No, not tonight, said Sri Ramakrishna. After a little reflection, then as if remembering something, he added, but I am going soon to Balarambo's house in Calcutta. Come there and you will hear me sing. M agreed to. Master, do you know Balarambos? M. No, sir, I don't. Master, he lives in Bospara. M. Well, sir, I shall find him. As Sri Ramakrishna walked up and down the hall with M, he said to him, let me ask you something. What do you think of me? So this is an interesting thing. M remained silent. Again, Sri Ramakrishna asked, what do you think of me? How many anas, how many pens of knowledge of God have I? So this is the thing, very important. It may, it may appear that as if Ramakrishna is in want of self-approbation. No. Actually, we find even in the Bhagavad Gita, it is mentioned that it is very difficult to understand to really realize, realized, to realize the qualities of a realized soul. We most of the time take him to be an ordinary being. In Bhagavad Gita, there is a sloka, sloka, which indicates that avyaktam vyaktim apannam manyante maam abuddhaya. Those who are ignorant, they think me to be an ordinary being. Just uh, to really relate to the spiritual qualities of a spiritual person, to certain extent, we should be spiritually uplifted. Just Sri Ramakrishna, as he used to say, only a jeweler can recognize a precious stone. There was a stone on the bank of a pond. Whoever used to go to bathe in the pond, they used to rub their feet on that stone. To cleanse their feet, they used to rub on it. One day a jeweler came and recognized that what it is not an ordinary stone and it was a precious jewel and immediately he took it to make some jewel out of it so what's the idea it's only the jeweler knows the jewel so if he finds that he has already started recognizing the real qualities of ramakrishna not judging him by the fun and frolic he has with the young man but his spiritual qualities that actually will enable Ramakrishna to know that the spiritual essence of M, of Mahendranath. So that's why he used to ask. He has to ask this question many times. He's asking to many of the devotees, what do you think of me? How many anas of knowledge of God have I? M, I don't understand what you mean by anas. Anas means pens. But of this, I am sure. I have never before seen such knowledge, ecstatic love, faith in God, renunciation, and Catholicity anywhere. The master laughed. M bowed low before him and took his leave. He had gone as far as the main gate of the temple garden when he suddenly remembered something and came back to Sri Ramakrishna, who was still in the Nath Mandir. In the dim light, the master, all alone, was pacing the hall, rejoicing in the self. 
as the lion leaves and roams alone in the forest. What a wonderful description. There's a line in Sanskrit, Nirgachati Jagajalat Pinjaradiva Keshari. Just like a lion, Nirgachati comes forth, breaks forth, Nirgachati, Jagajalat, from the mesh of this worldliness. This worldliness is like a mesh, like a cage. A lion has just break through it. Nirgachati Jagajalat Pinjaradiva Keshari. Just like the lion encaged in a cage. The way with its strength it comes out. Similarly, a man of realization comes out of this mesh of worldliness with the strength of his spirituality. And that's the example he's giving. The dim light, the master, all alone, was pacing the hall, rejoicing in the self as the lion leaves and roams alone in the forest. In silent wonder, him surveyed that great soul, master to him. What makes you come back? Him. Perhaps the house you asked me to go to belongs to a rich man. They may not let me in. I think I had better not go. I would rather meet you here. Master, oh no. Why should you think that? Just mention my name. Say that you want to see me. Then someone will take you to me. So it's a very simple sentence. But let us take it spiritually. That many people believe in stars. Being, that behave, wearing so many stones that such and such star can harm me. Since someone asks Rama, Vivekananda, do you believe in all this astrology? Swamiji never denied. He told, maybe it's true. But don't you believe that the Lord is even governing over those stars? If Lord is there to govern over the stars, why should I be so much bothered about these stars who may hinder my life? If I get hold of the Lord, he can take care of all these so-called the stars and others which may be a hindrance in my life. So take the name of the Lord. Every, all the path will be cleared. There's a wonderful song in Hindi. Janaki Natha Sahaya Karejav Kona Vigara Kare Tera. In the Janaki Natha, when Rama, the Natha, the Lord of Janaki, means the Lord Rama, if he's in your favor, who can destroy you? If he's holding you, no one can destroy you. Then the next line is Suraja Mangala Soma Bhrigusuta. These all the various stars which we feel sometimes can come on our way and obstruct our path of progress. This Suraja, the sun, the this Mangala, the Mars, and all those that we, we have, those who believe in astrology, they all will be calculating all those things that how the Shani. There's, uh, there's crossing over the Mangal and what it's going to have this impact on our life. So for him, this all, the Suraja Mangala, Soma, Bhrigu, Sutta, Buddha or Guru, Varadayaka, they all will bless you once you take the name of the Lord. They will all open the way for you because he is the Lord of all. So if that Swamiji is not denying astrology, he said they may be true, but I'm not bothered about them because after all the Lord who is the Lord of the entire universe, once I resort to him, he can take care of me. Why should I just go on believing in all this astrology and waste my time in just pleasing them? If I have to please anyone, let me please the Lord, who is the Lord of the entire universe. And that's what here the master, though he's literally it's meaning Balarambos, but that's what spiritually also is true for all of us. Why should you think of that? that anyone may not allow you, just mention my name. Just mention. Say that you want to see me. Then someone will take those who are actually not allowing you, they will take you. So the Suraja Mangala, they become Sahaya once you take the name of Lord. So it's a nice, with one story we will end. That's the discussion that Rama, that last class also we related that story. That Rama uh, was very much surprised to see that the stones with the Hanuman, all the monkeys were throwing on the river, were floating. They were taking the name of Lord, writing the name on it and throwing, and it was floating. Rama himself was surprised. How is it possible? So at night, when all were in the camp, Rama sneakingly came out and made it sure that no one is observing him. He himself wrote his own name in a stone, took his own name, threw the stone, it drowned. And he was surprised. And how come the stones are all floating? These all monkeys, when they throw, one is 
it is floating and he actually have not noticed hanuman hiding he have seen everything what's happening and now hanuman came out from uh, from the behind he came out and ram was embarrassed he understood that hanuman has seen what he was doing so he just plainly asked hanuman i don't understand when you throw the stone all the hanum monkeys throw the stone writing my name they float i threw the stone it drowned the hanuman told how can a thing float whom you have left whom you have deserted it is you have thrown once you have you are holding someone there is no chance of drowning but if you have left someone how can he float he is bound to that's was that's why hanuman is called buddhimatam varishta he is the intelligent among the intelligent people how nicely he replies so that's the thing just take the name when he is holding you there is nothing to fear he is the jagannath he can hold me through the, all the so called the difficulties of life and take me to his in his lap and ultimate spiritual realization so that's the thing we can understand so in that all the sentence of the master let us take it as mantra a spiritually uh, such an avatar doesn't speak a single sentence which doesn't have any spiritual intonations so let us try to relate and that becomes a subject of our contemplation so with this the first chapter of the gospel ends in the next class we will start with the second chapter of the gospel of sri ramakrishna thank you all namaskar